When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Snap to Romo, second down. Good protection. Deep middle, intercepted, throw right to it. At the 30 yard line. To the 20, it's Keeper. To the 5, touchdown. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, former NFL quarterback, our journeyman correspondent, Sage Rosenfels, and he will soon be Sage Rosenfels' draft scout uh, at some point here. Uh, so we have that to discuss about uh, arguments going on on my Twitter all day long about the idea of trading up for a quarterback potentially this year. We will get to that and some of the ideas that I floated yesterday to Courtney Cronin and Alex Boone that they mostly hated but I want to get your opinion on those, Sage. Uh, Are but, we already jumping to something that's going to happen in May? Yes, yes, that's that's how football works. We it's talk about right the Super Bowl the in week one. What's we, different than that? We can't talk about the the NFC Championship we matchup. Will. Or, we will. We will. What, what's Kevin Stefanski going to do? Did I see George Payton uh, was being interviewed for the yes. GM job? Yes. You know, him and him and uh, Kevin have been together for thirteen years or something like that. I. Found that interesting. No, I've known uh, uh, George since 2001 in Miami, or 2002 in Miami when I was down there. He was, I don't know if he was the advanced scout or pro scouting or something like that. So I've known him for a long time. But, uh, yeah, a lot, lot going on. We could get to the draft. We could get what the Vikings are going to do in four and a half months. That's fine. <laughs> we, that's hey, fine, if but that's I, uh, the conversation fans are having with each other, then that's the conversation we'll have. But I, I did want to start out, Sage, with Luke Keekley deciding to retire yesterday and really taking everyone by surprise. He hasn't even reached age 30 yet, and he is one of the perennial linebackers over the last decade in the NFL. So for him to walk away, and I watched the three-minute video, that he put out was really surprising, but it came across like he just doesn't feel like his body can work anymore. And we have now a number of players who, before they turn 30 years old, have decided to walk away from the game. Star players like Patrick Willis, who was on the show uh, last week, and also Andrew Luck before this season in a stunning turn where he couldn't get healthy. And then he's on the sideline at a preseason game when it comes out that he's going to retire. And now we have Luke Keekley. Uh, surprising us with retiring as well. We also have some, I would love to talk about some Hall of Fame stuff with you, uh, but what is your, I, I guess, reaction when you see a player who has not even gotten to 30 years old yet uh, decide to walk away from the game? Not surprising at all. 
uh, I think that football is a very, very rough sport. And from you know elementary school, middle school, high school, college, and the pros, all the practices, all the scrimmages, all the games, how many times can you get hit in the body, how many times can you get hit in the head, in particular at that middle linebacker position, uh, and and, uh, and and he was a hard hitter too. Made a lot of tackles. Uh, you know, played a lot of football games, and and he has, you know, I guess he's accomplished what he can accomplish. And he knows that if he plays more, it's not gonna, it'll make him a few more bucks. But uh, he he does need the money, and I think it's actually great now that we live uh, in a situation where some guys are saying, you know, it's not worth it for the for the next contract, an extra ten or twenty or fifteen million dollars or whatever it might be. Uh, to just say, I know when's enough. My, I can tell from maybe symptoms I'm having from concussions or different body parts. Like it's just not worth having a, a few more bucks out there. And then he made a lot. So I thought I read somewhere he made about sixty million dollars in his career. So you take away, you know, a third to a half or whatever that might be for taxes. And uh, you know, he should have plenty in the bank. And so uh, I think it's actually, in essence, a great that he retired, but. Uh, that he is walking away on his own terms. He feels like his body and, and his mind has had enough, and, uh, and and he was a heck of a lot of fun to to watch. But yeah, I guess it's a conversation piece because it's happening more and more. But I also think, you know, when players are making you know that big contract, that second contract, and they've put thirty, forty, fifty million dollars in their pocket, you know, a few more million bucks is not going to change your life. And uh, I think that being able to walk away has gotten easier and easier when players have made a lot more money. And I definitely think that it's a good thing that players are being reasonable with themselves about when it's time to walk away because you've seen the impacts of the injuries in football and how they affect players down the road where we've seen enough interviews where guys talk about not being able to get out of bed in the morning and struggling with their uh, memories and, and things like that. And sometimes it's just not preventable because of the game that you played for as long as you played. If uh, you're going back to starting as a little kid and you're a linebacker and you're hitting people over and over and over and over for 20-plus years of your life, um, maybe walking away a few years early isn't going to make a huge difference. But I think for a lot of guys, they look at it and say, you know what, this is about to take a bad turn for me if I continue to battle through this. Um, Patrick Willis had leg injuries and things like that, and if he continued to play through those injuries, he might not be able to walk at some point during his uh, future life. And the money now allows these players to be able to do that. If you get that big second contract, then you're able to kind of dictate your own future rather than the NFL having to dictate your future. And when I see a guy walk away like this, I think that's got to be insanely tough for him being one of the great competitors in the game over the last decade. But it's also really smart for him to say, I care about myself and my family in the future. It takes a real grown-up sometimes to make these types of decisions and someone that can put their ego aside and, and start thinking about, yeah, his, his family, his, what he would like to you know, be as a, probably a father and a husband and as a son and, and as an uncle and all these things you know, 40 years down the line and, and that uh, you know, having a few more bucks was not going to change his life. So he was a great player. You know, other players are retired young. Jake Locker was a quarterback who yeah. would even last for two years maybe, three years in the NFL. He didn't last very long. Either and uh, and and he, and he hadn't really. I mean, he had made. A, he was a first round draft pick, but you know, he hadn't made you know sixty million dollars by any means. But he decided to shut it down. And and as I said, I think it's a it's a tough sport. It's a very very tough sport. More often than not, players would like to keep playing, and 
they're just not good enough, or their bodies are broken down too much or whatever, and nobody will sign them, and that's that's how they end. Uh, and other players decide, you know what, I could play longer, but uh, uh, for, for himself and for his family, it would be best if he stopped. So hats off to him. Great player. Um, you know, of course, on the fact that they're both white he did remind me of Zach Thomas. I mean, I played with Zach in Miami. Racial and, profiling. And, yeah, saved. middle linebacker, just tackle Reminded machine. me of Clay Matthews Sr. For you? No, I was just picking a white linebacker. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> but, but, well, I'd like, you know, I played with Zach for four years and just a tackle machine, but, you know, you, you make a lot of tackles with your head a lot of times, and they're also, everything's across the middle, all the receivers. You know, you, you hit a receiver with your head, it hurts them and it hurts you, right? And, and middle linebackers are sort of right in the middle of the whole mess, and so they just, they do take a beating. And, and I saw Zach in Miami, oh, I guess I was down there for the new year, and we hung out a few times, and and he he retired because he was having trouble with lighting. He was having trouble with sounds. He was, you know, having all those sort of uh, things that you worry about. And then once he retired, it gave him, you know, it took some time, but all that stuff went away, and mm-hmm. his memory's good, and he feels really, really good. But you know, he was having issues, and maybe Luke was having things like that. And and uh, you know, once you have those, it's it's definitely time to be done. Yeah, good for him. Really tough for the Carolina Panthers, of course, who are in a bit of a Odd situation where they are not 100% sure who their quarterback is going to be. They've got a new head coach there for the first time in a long time. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that franchise. I like that Joe Brady hire, too. I mean, he's a New Orleans Saints, uh, I think, his receivers coach and went to, went to LSU as the offensive coordinator for one year. And, and, you know, Burrow just had an amazing season, mm-hmm. and he was the guy in charge of that thing. I, I think Burrow's really good, but it takes takes two to make something like that magical happen, and I, I think he'll be a good he's 30 years old. He's a young guy as an offensive coordinator. And, and Matt Rule, I, I you know, Big 12 guy I said as an Iowa Stater, that the, uh, the Baylor Bears for – I was like, man, after that whole thing went down with Art Bryles, the yeah. whole, I was like, they're going to be terrible for a long time, you know. And then sure enough, like after about a year, they're right back in the mix and in the Big 12 championship game uh, this year. So he, he, people really, you know, he's a sort of magnetic guy, and, and he's a, a program builder, and now he's got a young offensive coordinator, and we'll see if, what they can make happen over there in Charlotte. Do you think that they're a candidate to draft to a tug of Viola, Carolina? Yeah, I think they're candid to draft any the top, you know, three, four quarterbacks, five quarterbacks, you know. Which it, it is interesting. We we are starting to see some quarterbacks having success that are late first rounders or second rounders, mm-hmm. and not always the highest, you know, pit guys. So, um, and, and everyone has two going a little lower, obviously, with his most recent injuries. But you know, we'll see. There's going to be a lot of quarterback needy teams. The Vikings that I don't know what they're going to do. This is really fascinating to me. I, I'd love to, you know, hear what. Rick Spielman really thinks, uh, and, <laughs> and what uh, you know, Mike Zimmer really thinks about the quarterback that they have, uh, and if they could find something better or what they should do. So they have to make some decisions there. And you know, drafting a, a young, talented guy, I, I don't think should be out of the question because you can. Uh, can you? Can they still franchise uh, uh, Cousins after next season? I got to think they probably can do that. They I don't can, know. but it would be an insanely high number. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just really interested, despite the fact that he had a great you know, statistical season, the Vikings won a playoff game. If they think they could upgrade that position, whether through free agency, because the free agency market's going to be wild this year. 
you know, that's for sure. So there's a lot of these veteran quarterbacks that are all free agents, and we'll see where those guys all end up. So, well, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting offseason for the quarterback situation in Minnesota. All right, well, let's talk about that a bit, because yesterday I had four unconventional ideas on my piece of paper that I'm shaking in front of the microphone here that I gave to Courtney Cronin and Alex Boone. They hated all of them. And uh, But I think some are interesting to talk about, Sage, so we can discuss them. I'm going to run them by you, and you can tell me which one pops out to you first. So I'm just going to lay all four ideas out there, and then you tell me what you think. So the first idea was really off off the grid here, which was to sign Taysom Hill to a huge contract to be your playmaker and then make him your quarterback in 2021. The next idea was to sign Marcus Mariota. Wait, is Taysom, Taysom Hill's a free agent? Yeah, Taysom Hill's a restricted free agent, so you'd have to really like pay through the nose. What was he? You'd have to match. They'd be able to they match could you, match right? it, but they and also have a, a pretty bad pick. cap what situation. Was, what was the draft pick? What was uh, what round was? It's probably going to be a high draft pick. They're probably okay. going to make a first or second round tender on. Would be my guess. Right. So and that would be pretty costly, but it's a little off the grid in terms of being sort of a fun or weird idea to you're, use him as like your receiver next year, and then he's your quarterback the year after that. It would be unprecedented. Back, by the way, you're bringing me back to uh, when I was a restricted free agent, and I remember talking to my agent about it, and it's like, what do you think is going to happen? He's like, no one's going to give a fourth-round draft pick for you, so you're going to get that minimum tender $628,000. I was like, uh, okay, sounds good to me. You want an honest agent, put it that yeah. way, right? Um, That's the way it goes. So that was the first idea. That one's really super unlikely, but kind of fun. Uh, the next idea was to sign Marcus Mariota to a two-year deal. He's your backup the first year, and then he's your starter the next year at a very low price. Uh the third idea was to trade Delvin Cook and the 25th overall pick up to get to a tug of Viola. And the fourth idea was to wait until the 2021 draft and trade all your future picks to get whoever is not Trevor Lawrence. Because someone else is drafting Trevor Lawrence, Justin they're not Fields. trading. It's right. Justin Fields, right. So do any of those ideas stick out to you as being a good plan for the Vikings. This is pretty much anything that's different from just draft the guy whoever is there at 25. Yeah, so it's interesting. So, so the first plan again, what was what was the first plan again? That was uh, RFA Taysom Hill. Okay, so the first plan is let's go for this quarterback who has a very interesting skill set. Yeah. Like the opposite of Kirk Like Cousins. your Cordell Stewart kind We're of. Pretty much going to run the maybe the Baltimore style of yes. offense. Like the Greg Roman right. offense. So do we have a guy that, could, that knows that offense? Right? Because this offensive staff, that's not their style. Right. That's not their expertise. So that's interesting conversation. We're going to completely change our style of play. So I don't think that one's going to happen. All right, number two is it's the old, can we get the pick up the guy for cheap that was a starter somewhere else and didn't really work out, yep. but maybe for some reason new culture, new situation, all of a sudden he'll Or can we put enough better. around him, which if is the Ryan Tannehill him. thing, that they've been able to put enough around him to get the but most But the problem is that the, it's the Ryan Tannehill thing, but Mario was a quarterback before him. So. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> that might prove that no matter what we put around him, He's actually the problem, you know. It's actually yeah. I don't uh, think he's good, but it would be kind of similar, right? Where Mariota with a good team was a nine and seven type of quarterback, which isn't super different from what you have now, except for you would have all this cap space to spend in twenty twenty one, where you could restock because by that point your roster is going to be pretty much corroded. Uh, so you would be able to refill the cupboard and be competitive for a year, but you wouldn't be locked into that guy, which would also be the major benefit is. Mariota would be your quarterback for a year, and this could also be Andy Dalton, too. He'd be your quarterback for that year, 
But you, the door would be open in the future to drafting someone else after that if you didn't like the way it played out. Yeah, that, that's an interesting. So one. flexibility and, is is, and a, the last is valuable. One is to, set, to give up your best offensive player who is hurt occasionally, um, but most explosive weapon. And I I gotta think if he would say was hurt all year. I think Kirk Cousins' numbers are very different, and they're much lower. And I think the Vikings win, you know, three or four fewer football games. If it's just, and I think Madison's a really good back, but I, I really think Dalvin Cook had a ton of this football team. Excuse me, a ton of this offense this year. Uh, so, and it was trade him and, and the entire draft away, or no, something just like that? just the twenty fifth pick. Like, 25th, oh, like so a star, like, like a, a star rounder. player, and your first rounder to move up to take to a tug of Iowa. And then he's your quarterback in 2021. Who would be the sort of the quarterback of the future? I do yeah. like this. I'll say, you know, Philip Rivers was drafted and sat behind Breeze for two seasons, I think. Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers sat behind Favre. I, I think there's something about taking somebody who's, you know, talented and, and having them sit behind a starter. Uh, and I think Kirk would be a good starter to, to sort of sit behind. Mm-hmm. He, there's a lot of things he does well. He's fundamentally very, very sound. The, the problem is that you know when the, when the fundamentals of the of the play break down, he doesn't can't really do much to overcome that, right? So right. if you could take a guy that could watch a guy with super super fu- sound fundamentals, and try to copy that, and then when the play breaks down, he can also you know d- do something else. I think that would be a he'd be a good guy to to be mentored by as a young quarterback. The case for moving Delvin is not about Delvin's talent. We know he's freakishly talented. And there's all sorts of fun metrics to back it up, whether it's yards after contact or whether it's how fast he clears the line of scrimmage, like the miles per hour. He, he's one of the he fastest. He's so fast. It's, yeah, I mean, he's he an unbelievable so player. And if not for character concerns and so forth, which have not come to fruition at all, he's been great since he's been here, uh, that he would have been a high first-round pick because his talent level is that. Uh, it's just about paying him, too, that he's going to want an extension. You have to do it now. You can't wait or he'll... You know, sit out or whatever that you know running backs will do. So, if you're talking about Delvin at fifteen million dollars a year versus using him as a chip to get your potential franchise quarterback who can change the game for you and potentially get you over the hump, it might be worth giving away a running back for that and drafting another running back. You got Delvin Cook in the second round. Elvin Kamara was in the third round. You can generally find them in the draft to come in and replace that guy as great as he is and and he's not just your average run-of-the-mill oh you can find one anywhere we saw when Mike Boone played it was a little bit different Uh, it's just that replacing that player is a heck of a lot easier than finding a true franchise quarterback who can make plays when it breaks down and has accuracy and leadership and all those things that Tua has so that's the reason you would take that risk It, it would be a big gamble to give away a star player but that's the case for it is that you would save the cap space for Delvin, and you could probably draft someone else who can be in his ballpark. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, Delvin is such a good back. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing. I mean, he really does make a lot of that offense go. And, and there are some games this year where I said the uh, the, the Dallas win, where they, they hand the ball off 10 times in a yep. row. It seemed like Kansas City. They were constantly running screen after yep. screen after screen, and I, I think he had something like eighty. He, he had eighty six yards received in that game, and and his yards ran after catch was one hundred and twelve <laughs> or something like yes. that. So all screens. Yeah. But how how you know uh, important he is as a weapon of this football team? But then you know the whole thing about this outside zone system is that in the past it has done very well with pretty sort of average backs, not 
great, great backs. Yep. I uh, have got Mike Anderson would agree with that. Orlandis Gary, you know. <laughs> Tatum Bell. Those guys. I, I think Clinton Portis probably had his best years early on. Office. Tatum Bell ran for over 1,000 yards once or twice. Let me stop you. Great I mean, example. Because they traded Clinton Portis for Champ Bailey, which was an incredibly good trade. They that was tra- a great example. I mean, Champ Bailey was twice, three times, four times as valuable as a cornerback, a shutdown corner, than... Clinton Portis was as a running back in Washington. And I'm sure that a lot of people in Denver were like, what? How are you trading our star running back? But they understood value of positions at that time. Yeah, and uh, and Washington has never understood the value of pretty much anything. So <laughs> that was a, that made the most sense. Uh, drive that by there. happened with, with, with Washington, the team that drafted me. Uh, that's perfect. And the other one was just wait. Wait until 2021 and see if you could get the guy who is – next in line to Trevor Lawrence because no one's giving you Trevor Lawrence. Whoever gets the number one pick will take Trevor Lawrence, even if they have a quarterback, you would do it. Um, so well, they're, they're not trading first, with you. First things first is, you know, who? what is this coaching staff going to be next year? That's a great question. Of the football? What's this coaching staff going to be on the defensive side of the football? All those things are starting to unfold. And, you know, are they going to, what's going to get ired out and when? You know, they got the, the NFL PA game in this East-West Shrine game is this week. And then the Senior Bowl is like the coaches' convention. Um, and sometimes people get hired now and sometimes things happen around then but there's a you know all these count everyone's in town and agents and gms and 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 all the coaches are all there during the week watching practice and a lot a lot of that the hiring type stuff happens then so i'm you would think that if uh you know and again i think kirk cousins will be the quarterback next year you would think they'd want to have the same offense for him so whether that's kubiak or kubiak jr or you know whoever ends up being the person here uh, i i'm really intrigued as to what happens over the course of the next couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. Now, let me ask you a fun question that's a little bit off of this, and then we can kind of circle back to the Vikings offseason, um, because I want to ask you what other positions you think um, need some changes, because we've been focused so much on Cousins since the end, and I've got some stats on Cousins that uh, I, I would just like your reaction to. But who do you think will be drafting Trevor Lawrence? I was going through every team last night, trying to figure out who is going to be absolutely horrendous next season and end up with Trevor Lawrence. And I came up with the worst thing of all time. You want to know what it is? Sure. The worst. This is the worst. If you're driving your car, you might crash it on purpose. You'll be so mad about this. The Patriots. The Patriots would totally be the team to... Start a punter at quarterback after Brady leaves and go 0 16 on purpose, get rid of all of their talent because Belichick does not care about anyone, and then draft Trevor Lawrence and laugh at us for the rest of time. I can see that happening. People have talked about, uh, you know, Tua would be a guy that might be able to fall far enough where the Patriots wouldn't have to go up very high and he'd, have, you know, he'd end up being some great player or something like that. And the Patriots would be like, uh, like the Colts, uh, who got sort of lucky having the back-to-back, the Packers getting lucky having great back-to-back quarterbacks, and and maybe they do do that as well. So it, it, that makes sense. I can see uh, I can see Bill Belichick doing something like that. If, if totally not not just shame like with no shame. Yes, either. right. No, he like, wouldn't care like, at all. You know, he'd just say like you know on to Cincinnati. I mean, he, lost on to another loss on purpose. Yeah, we're, we're, we're we got to coach better. We got to play better, and they got a good <laughs> football team. And we're going to try to win some games. Like, oh, is that you, not you the compare, most annoying scenario? You, you compare his press conferences when they're fifteen and zero, and when they're zero and fifteen, it's to be the same thing. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. Uh, I think it's totally plausible that if Brady leaves, 
they would just stick with what they have in terms of offensive weapons, which is um, none at this moment, and they would not try to go out in free agency and spend too much money. They would clear some of the defensive players, move them out, trade Stephon Gilmore or something, and then shamelessly go 0-16 and do it much better than the Dolphins. The Dolphins screwed up. They, you don't bring in Fitz Magic because he's going to win you five games by accident. That guy, did, that guy did a heck of a job this year when I think they won five games down there. What, what are the Oakland Raiders going to do with Derek Carr? Mm, this is or a great I, I question. Say the, well, it still says Oakland Raiders here on NFL.com, mm. but at some let's point, not talk about Las, that. I'm mad Las about Vegas that. Raiders. I don't like that at all. Um, that's a great question. I don't know, but I don't feel like after making steady improvement from last year to this year that they would be all in on a tank that they added a lot of talent with all those first-round picks that they traded for Khalil Mack, which actually looks pretty good right now. They might be a team to draft Tua, I would say. Where's Teddy, where's Teddy Bridgewater in a month and a half? Yeah, um, I've, I've got a great place for him, and I don't know if it's going to work out, but I think Tampa Bay is an amazing place for Teddy Bridgewater to go. Two great if wide I'm, receivers, great head the, coach, good defense. If, I think that's a, that's a good spot. If I'm the Steelers, I'm, I'm done with Ben. I think I'd yeah. him. I think that he's not going to... Uh, you know, he might go out there and be some dramatic, uh, you know, Big Ben tour or something like that. And you have, you know, some good games and some bad games. But I don't think he has enough the way he played. Um, you know, he was one of those sort of playmaker guys that we're seeing mm-hmm. now. And he just can't do any of that anymore. No, he so, hasn't been really that good for a while. Yeah, for a while. But uh, so I, I think the Steelers are a team. Hmm. Uh, I can see Teddy Bridgewater in Pittsburgh. That's where I like Teddy Bridgewater. Pittsburgh's yours because you can just take over that big salary when they release Big Ben. If they're willing to move on from Ben or have him not be their starting quarterback next year. I think I, I can see that. Yeah, I, I can, can see it too. All right, I can see that play. Him I, saying, you know, I'm coming back and then them getting, no, that's okay, pass, and then making yeah, Bridgewater we're, their quarterback. I did not think of them for a potential Bridgewater uh, or Trevor Lawrence team. Well, there's there's all these old guys, uh, you know, the old, the old guard, uh, Tom Brady, What's his situation? I believe Breeze is even a free agent. I imagine he'll be back for another one-year deal at some sort of discount like he was last year. He was a $25 million, I think, last year, which is, you know, for, for how well he's played even recently. Uh, I, I got to think he's could probably could have asked to, you know for thirty million or something like that. But I got to imagine he's back for a year. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, Philip Rivers, he's another free agent. I that think, could be uh, a Teddy location as well. That's an interesting spot and. Seems like uh, Mr. Rivers wants to play, you know, keep playing football. Will somebody like to have him play football? I think well, I have. Can, I think I have the second best. Any of those guys as like a backup? Like, no, I just sort of want. I'm fine being a backup. You know, I get to don't have all the stress out there. Get to be around the team, and you know, I'm going to be the bad quarterback this year. And if I play, I play. I mean, I, I, I don't think that would ever happen. Eli Manning is he done? I got to imagine he's just. <laughs> yeah, done. I think he's done. All right, but. There are so many interesting teams that are actually good. Chicago is one of them, and I know they said they're going to go with Mitch Trubisky, but that doesn't mean they have to stick with it. Arizona said they were going to stick with Josh Rosen, and they did not do that. They drafted a quarterback number one. Teddy would be a great choice for the Chargers, who I think are a good team. Um, But also, uh, Indianapolis would be a great location for Teddy Bridgewater to work with Frank Reich. They have an excellent offensive line. They've got a good running back there. They could use another couple of wide receivers and, and a defense that's starting to develop. 
But that's another one. It, it's almost unprecedented that we see filled-out teams that are ready to win that just don't have a quarterback, and Ryan Tannehill joins Tennessee, and all of a sudden they are where they are in the championship game that's, that's because so they, were, they were that I mean, close. That's, that's so crazy that that happened. Yeah, that's so rare. But that's the situation of let's, let's, that's the Andy Dalton um, or the Marcus Mariota situation of let's go for the guy who was a, you know, a starter somewhere else but yep. didn't really work out, still in their prime, and all of a sudden we think with the right situation, the right offense, the right whatever, we can make him into a, a good star like Ryan Tannehill. So um, that, it worked out for them this year. Doesn't, I don't think it happens very often. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, I want to look at the other hardest calls of the offseason for the Vikings, and of course I mean other than the quarterback, which is easily the toughest, and some Kirk Cousins stats that will make you go, huh, when we return. Matthew Collar, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels, you listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. More new deep dives are available on Minnesota Sports Rewind, including two new episodes on the Johan Santana trade and the craziest season in Vikings history, Minnesota Sports Rewind. Available on the Score North app, Apple, and Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcast. If you missed it yesterday, Darren Doogie Wolfson joined Mackie and Judd with Rami and was asked what the Vikings' plans for Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer, and Rick Spielman was, and here's what he had to say on that. I fully expect Zimmer and Spielman to get contract extensions. Now the question is, is it a one-year extension for both? Is it a multiple-year extension for both? I don't think it's going to be a three-year extension for both. Maybe it's two years. I mean, it's going to be one or two years. I do think they will sit down with Kirk Cousins' agent at the Combine late February in, in Indianapolis and just get a get a gauge on what it would take to extend him. I do think that this regime is pretty much all in on Kirk Cousins beyond 2020. Again, that was on Mackie and Judd with Rami, which you can find podcastable anywhere you find your podcast, the Score North mobile app, Apple, and Spotify. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels, who uh, hopefully around combine time will be our journeyman correspondent from Indianapolis. Hopefully my flight takes off this time and I can actually get there, do the show with you from there. I feel like I need to do some corresponding down in Miami in a couple weeks. Well, it would Uh, be a shame if you did. I need to talk to somebody about that. I get down to Miami. There's actually a a couple of things. I haven't decided if I'm going to go down to the Super Bowl this year. If I would go... It would be during the week, I think. Uh, Kenny Maine has a, a great um, a football game that he puts on, a sort of flag football game. Mm. He has a, it's a bunch of wounded veterans, uh, and then he gets you know a, a lot of former players, and uh, it, it's a pretty cool deal. That uh, you know, I think Rich Gannon and the one in Minnesota, a lot of old Vikings and things like that. It's a it's a really a lot of fun, and and uh, I'd like to try to do that. That's a Wednesday night, but I'm not sure if I'm going, going to go down there or not. If I do. I'll definitely uh, do some corresponding for the score north. Excellent. Well, uh, one of the players that you interviewed at the Combine at random that you just walked up to for no particular reason started talking to ended up being Travis Homer, who uh, was the 
unfortunately, the best running back for Seattle after all their other running backs got is, hurt, including uh, Marshawn. It was, yeah. I went, wait a minute. I remember that name from somewhere. So so for the uh, listeners out there, we sort of made a joke that I was this like, correspondent going to the uh, – uh, the combine last year, and so I get in late at night, like at midnight or something in my hotel. I get up at 7 or so in the morning. I, I start walking over. Here's where I actually stayed at it, and I walk in. I, I go to a spot, get a cup of coffee, and I see David Montgomery sitting uh, sort of in this uh, in this restaurant area who was the tailback at Iowa State. So I walk over there, and he's sitting with Travis Homer. And I'm like, all right, let's let's do this thing. So I got an interview, I don't know, five, seven, ten minutes from, from those two guys, and then Homer ended up being, uh, you know, I'm not watching. He was a Miami University of Miami. I'm not watching much Miami football, so I don't really even know who he is. And he ended up being a pretty good running back for the And that Seahawks was clear in the, the interview season. that you didn't. No idea. I mean, it's sort of a little embarrassing. But, yeah, hey, I only can watch so much football. And uh, obviously watch all the Vikings, and I have to watch the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky every single week, and of course watching my Cyclones. I, I make sure I watch those three teams. The rest is, I guess, is, is all gravy. Um, yeah, so that turned out to be kind of funny. So you never know who we're going to run into when we are there at the Combine. So we've got fun off-season stuff. Uh, I'm going to give you some stats, and you give me your reaction to this because you and I are on the same page that when it comes to potentially moving on from the quarterback, um, it's something you have to highly consider. Because of the cap hit versus what you get. Not that Kirk is a bad quarterback. No one would ever say that. Um, Here's my numbers, though, that I got this morning. I'm writing a big piece about future of the Vikings at quarterback. I'll do every position throughout the offseason. It's fun. Uh, Since 2015, only five quarterbacks have a higher quarterback rating than Cousins. Only four have more yards. Only six have more touchdowns. Six have a better adjusted yards per attempt, which factors in interceptions and sacks. And only two have a higher completion percentage. What is your reaction to Kirk Cousins by those statistical measures? And he is seven games over five hundred since two thousand fifteen. Um, just, just what what do you make of that? The fact that he's got his name among the best quarterbacks by most traditional measures. But I think the thing is that those numbers haven't really you know corresponded with a lot of wins and playoff wins and deep playoff runs and this year's the furthest he's gotten is that right so yeah um, and he had statistically a great year uh, but the vikings weren't great this year that, that's what's interesting you know aaron Rodgers had a you know pretty average season i mean a really good season i don't know he had through three four interceptions the whole year but it wasn't like he blew it up this year, and all of a sudden the Packers won more football games. It's just those clutch plays. It's the third downs. It's the red zone. Uh, I'm not big on anymore on like quarterback rating and and completion percentage. It all comes down to to winning football games, and that's something that's just hard to quantify in some statistical number. Because mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, it's just about wins. And so then you go, okay. Is he the guy that for the next four or five years or whatever it is, is, is he going to give us our best chance of everybody out there to win a Super Bowl? Um, and uh, but Because he just hasn't consistently won. He's never been on, on terrible football teams, but he hasn't consistently won uh, you know, 10, 11, 12 games. And, and those, guys, those teams that are in the playoffs every single year, it's those quarterbacks that just every single year it seems like 
they're going to win 11, 12, 13 football games. Yeah, so it's interesting that uh, Cousins' traditional numbers like fantasy stats, box score stats, don't really match up with some of the more advanced numbers that grade quarterbacks. So this year, his PFF grade was excellent. He's fifth best quarterback in the NFL. In previous years, though, 14th, 18th, 10th, and 14th was where he ranked by PFF. And by QBR, which is the ESPN number that takes game situation into account, this year he was only 14th. And you could tell why. I mean, take the Seattle game, for example, where he's got an opportunity to go drive and win the game and it doesn't happen. Or the games where he was directly responsible for losing, like Week 2 throws the late interception, or Week 4 where they just never got off the ground as an offense. So QBR would be much more harsh uh, in evaluating him that way. And he definitely did not play well in in San Francisco or in Oh, San definitely Clara. not. No, not even um, close. I, I, I went through that on, on Twitter the other day with a bunch of videos. I mean, he had guys wide open, and, and he decided not to throw it to them. And quarterback has to play great when your opponent is great. And right. he didn't play great in that game either. So yes. can he play great when it really matters, when it's head-to-head versus Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and – and he and he and he lost, you know, and Jimmy Garoppolo or whatever, and he lost those battles this season. So tell me who you think. So I ran these numbers, and I was looking at a bunch of different names that he was similar to. And I want you. I, I came up with two groups of three, and I want you to tell me which group you think he's closer to. So Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, and Philip Rivers is the first group. The second group is Derek Carr, Alex Smith, and Andy Dalton. And surprisingly, by the numbers. The gap between those two groups is not massive, at least by those traditional statistics. But which one do you think he's closer to? Do you think he's closer to a Ryan or Stafford or Rivers um, who have often been considered top-notch quarterbacks in the NFL but do not have Super Bowls just like Cousins? Or the other group that seems to be constantly on the bubble with these conversations of whether you want to stay with them, Derek Carr, Alex Smith, Andy Dalton? You know, I, I think what's interesting when I mean, you bring up like a Matt Ryan. I mean, he had his best years. When I mean, you say, "Yeah, Matt Ryan with Kyle Shanahan," yeah, sign me up. You know, that's that's the guy. I mean, he was he was the MVP. Yep. Right. So, and then Kyle leaves, and it just hasn't been the same Matt Ryan. So it is amazing in all of this uh, how you know again going back to that style of offense, how it's made quarterbacks have really it's helped quarterbacks have really good seasons and. And, and and Kirk has, you know, very luckily, a lot of his career been in that style of offense. So it's conducive for a quarterback to put up, you know, really, really good numbers. And, and uh, But the question is, could another quarterback put up better numbers or win those, you know, tighter football games? I probably see him, you know, more the Alex Smith type. I think he's more like Alex Smith without the escapability. I mean, mm-hmm. not as necessarily his style uh, as far as, like, you know, and Alex is very much a scrambler on third down and, uh, but uh, and, and and Kirk's a better thrower than Alex. He's got a much stronger arm. Uh, but uh, they they to me sort of seem to be in the, in a similar. You know, if uh, if Alex Smith is a hundred percent healthy, uh, and and Kirk Cousins was a hundred percent healthy, and they were both free agents, I would pre- you know from a couple of years ago, Alex Smith, I would have taken Alex Smith. Me I too. That's a guy who consistently finds ways to win tight ball games. Um, and, uh, and and plays a style that's very conducive to winning games. He's regularly in the playoffs. Never turns like the ball it. over. Rarely turns the ball over and can run, and I think that's important. I think Alex Smith, a younger Alex Smith, was would be used different now than than the Alex Smith from you know seven or eight years ago. So uh, yeah, I think I would take him. So that I mean. That sort of goes to show, but neither of them are Pat Mahomes. I mean, that's the thing. Yes. If you want to find a guy like yes. Pat Mahomes, you got to think 
is if, if he stays healthy, the Chiefs will, for the next 10 years uh, or longer, it's like an Aaron Rodgers, will just consistently either be in the playoffs or right on the cusp of the playoffs. And, and when you have a guy like that, you think he could always get hot and you could bring you home a Super Bowl with, with three wins. I think that the way that you just put it crystallizes it perfectly for why there would be the discussion about moving on. Because when you lay it out like that, Alex Smith is the ultimate quarterback you move on from. Uh, San Francisco drafted somebody else to take over, and Colin Kaepernick took them to the Super Bowl. Pat Mahomes has a very good shot at taking his team to the Super Bowl. He took over from Alex Smith as well, and they decided to move on. And yet, I agree with you that Smith has a much better record than Cousins when he's playing with a good team of not turning the ball over and being conservative, but also having enough athleticism to make a play on a third down or something like that, and won a ton of games for Kansas City. So if you're saying, and I agree with you, that an Alex Smith-like quarterback, who's the definition of the every year 12th or 14th best quarterback in the league, that's a guy you'd still take over Kirk, it's like, well, that's why you move on, I think. Yeah, it's interesting, and you have to sometimes take the stats out of all of it and, and just, you know, take a step back and go, is, can this guy win us a Super Bowl? Can this guy consistently win us ball games, or is sort of the rest of the team, you know, this year the Vikings won 11 football games? I mean, was that really about Kirk, or was that really about the team coming together uh, and in and, and those games the entire team played well? I know this. When they couldn't run the ball, the Vikings lost. Yes, that, every that time. That was a no-brainer. Yep. Every time. And it, sometimes it wasn't even a good game. So, you know, that, that they have to run the football. It'd be nice to have a quarterback where you're like, you know what, we hope we can run, but if we can't, doesn't mean we don't got a shot. And right now, you know, there are maybe eight, ten football teams that think even if we are all of a sudden we just can't run the football at all, we've got a couple of decent wide receivers, uh, we can win with our quarterback and the wide receivers on the outside just by them and throwing the ball 45 times a game. I don't think the Vikings believe they have that because it's you know shown in time and time again when they can't run the football, they don't win. And yet you're paying for a quarterback that you should be able to throw that many times. Uh, now, let me ask you this, Sage. There's a lot of other tough decisions. Mike Zimmer talked on Monday about how he's looking at some of these older players and saying, is it time to move on from this guy, this guy, this guy? Where do you think the toughest decision mm-hmm. is on this roster outside of Kirk Cousins? By the way, do you think this is going to be a super interesting offseason? For the Vikings, I think it is. I definitely do. I think do. there's yes. going to be a lot of 100%. conversation pieces. Yes, uh, you know, quarterback is always one of them. Um, but you know, right now it's coaching staff, and then as now we're leading on into okay, free agency's coming up. There's salary cap. They want to sign guys who who doesn't have anything left, and they have a high salary, or you know, who might be a little bit overpaid, but there's not somebody out there you know, to, to replace them, and we don't think we're going to draft anybody at that position. So. We're going to sort of overpay for a player. I mean, also, they, they're the only ones who know the injuries uh, as far as, you know, the trainers and the GM yes. and all that yep. stuff. So we, we don't know. Like, I don't know how Linville Joseph's back is, but I do know this. You play t- 10 years or, or whatever at, at D-line in this league, I've seen a lot of guys very quickly, they get a bad back or something, and boom, it's over. Yeah. Because yep. those guys are taking on double teams from the guard and the center, and they have to hold their ground. And to do that, they're sticking their feet in the ground, they're driving the feet, and all of that pressure from that collision and then the force after it goes right to your lower back or right into, into your back. And, and I see D-tackles D like Linville go out really fast. Yes. And, and yep. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope that's not the case. But you know, only the Vikings maybe know some of those little details that we don't know anything about. So I think there's going to be a lot of, 
uh, moving pieces this offseason. They're going to keep some guys, and I think there might be a surprise trade or surprise release or two. Uh, and I guess we'll just have to sort of see how it all you know sort of shakes out and breaks down. And, and there might be a situation where they, they get rid of someone they really like, but they can get some sort of compensation, whether it's a draft pick or or uh, another free agent or, or another player on another team in a straight-up trade or position they feel like they need more and that, that player has some value. So it should be an interesting offseason for this uh, Vikings team. Just a couple of years ago on Linval, he was the premier nose tackle in the NFL and among all defensive tackles was rated in the top five by Pro Football Focus. This year he's 30th. And with the amount that they're paying him, you can't be 30th. You can't be in the same ballpark as Leonard Williams, who's not any good, or in the same ballpark as Danny Shelton, or the guy that they didn't want to draft a few years ago, Maurice Hurst, uh, because of his heart issue, but he's turned out to be a pretty decent player. But if you're going to be paid that much, you can't be in that ballpark, and you're right about how those guys fade quick. That's a very important position. Yeah, we had a guy seem like almost similar to Linval named Tim Bowens when I was in Oh, Miami. yeah, I remember Tim Bowens. And Tim Bowens was just a beast of a D lineman. I, I, he probably weighed 375 or something. He was six foot seven. Um, and, you know, that's why Zach Thomas for years made all of these tackles because he would clog up those, the center of the guard. They'd, have, they'd double team him so long, and Zach would be running. And uh, he was probably holding back then too, but you, you couldn't leave a, just a 295 pound center on him. It was he was just so big, uh, and that was just so valuable to that defense. And obviously, uh, during the Childers area, the the Williamses they were you know so dominant on the inside, allowed, allowed those running backs to run and make a lot of tackles. And so it's it's a very very important position. And obviously, Linville did not have a great year, but you know we'll see if he's back. And I'm sure. To, fairly high salary he's he's not in a rookie contract by any means and so 12.4 million dollar cap hit for next year that can't happen that just what will not absolutely will not happen he's not playing next year on a 12.4 million dollar cap hit uh the older players are the toughest i mean xavier rhodes i think should be gone he's supposed to be paid 14 million they can get out of that for two and everson griffin's the toughest one because he can void his contract uh, because he reached certain levels that he needed to with playing time and sacks and so forth and I think he'll do that. Um, but next year he's on the cap for fourteen four. But the Vikings can move on basically for free. So they have some really really tough calls there. I wonder what you those, think. Those those guys have been, you know, mainstays. Yes, in the line the entire for, time that Zimmer's really, been here. The Zimmer time. I mean, so we're definitely seeing going to see a, a change of the guard a little bit. And uh, the question is, who do they replace? Change them with? of the nose guard. Yeah, am I right? In uh, in free agency, and then this draft. Right on, be, this, last year's draft was all. I know, I don't. Last year's draft was all <laughs> offense, or a lot of offense, and this year's draft maybe it's more yes. defensive heavy. I think um, it could be uh, for for some of those you know key positions. All right, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday, and I wonder what you think about it. What could be the thing that really takes us by surprise with this off season? And if you call it, I guess then it won't take us by surprise anymore. But I think I have something, and it would be we assume that after week four, Stephon Diggs just wrote his own game plan for the next few weeks, and he caught a bunch of passes, and he was happy, and uh, he goes into this offseason really thrilled about life and everything else with the Vikings. But I think that's a little much to assume, that everything was just okay in Stephon Diggs' mind about being on a team that threw the ball just about less than any other team in the entire NFL this year. Uh, I think in Stefan Diggs' mind, and he's not wrong about this, that he believes he should be a 100-catch guy year in and year out and one of the best receivers in the NFL. 
He should have name recognition. He should have a Madden cover. He should have all those things because that's what he puts on tape, and that's what his efficiency numbers show from last year for sure, that there are very few receivers ever who have caught 70% of their passes at 18 yards a catch. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he said, look, if Mike Zimmer is going to continue to want to run first offense, I'm not sure I want to be a part of that. Well, here's what's interesting, though, is is it about catches or is it about you know, yards and wins. And to me, it's not about catches. It's about yards and wins. And he had 102 catches last year, uh, uh, you know, for just over 1,000 yards. And this year he had 1,130 on on uh, only 63 catches. So, but his yards, you know, he's went from 10 to 18. Uh, he is a premier wide receiver. I, I think he's being treated as a premier wide receiver. The thing is, he also has, when Thielen was healthy this year, a premier guy on the other side. So, I mean, that's just sort of the way it goes. And, and that's one of the reasons that uh, his yards per catch get it's really high because teams are also focused on him. They're focused on the tight ends. There's a lot of weapons to, you know, to this football team. He also gets you know, a lot of one-on-one coverage on the outside because of that running game you know, with Alvin Cook. So he's an important piece of this offense, but you know, I, I think he hit, shoot, shoot, he had you know, 1,100 yards this year uh, and, you know, without a quarterback that you know, couldn't really make things. 1,100 yards that were usually the reason they happened is because they were designed and they were executed. It wasn't like there were some, you know, a couple hundred yards of a quarterback making plays and then heaving the ball 55 yards down the field like we see some of these other quarterbacks. We just didn't, you know, see that for Stefan. And, and uh, I mean, if he wants to be unhappy about it, that's sort of the way it goes. But, um, you know, he's a, he's an interesting um, player on this football team. He's very, very talented. Uh, but you, you, saw, you see some of the challenges that he sometimes um, can bring to the team when you're, you know, in a, in a tight ball game and, and he's upset. I think they were winning that ball game uh, in, the, in the playoffs, and he, and he was upset he wasn't making had enough catches. And you know, it's a team sport, and sometimes you get the ball, and sometimes you don't. Yeah, and and everything you said there is a hundred percent correct. But I don't know if that's what's in Stephon Diggs's mind, right? You know what I mean? Like I think there there can be a difference between the objective reality, which is he was over a thousand yards and was a big play wide receiver and had a tremendously great season and got the ball a lot in situations for him to make big plays and dance backward into the end zone and everything else. But it seems to have been his disposition early in the season that the offense was based around a running game and they threw the third fewest passes in the entire NFL. So I could see him looking at that and saying, I want to be on more of a pass-first offense. I want to raise my level from not a 1,000-yard receiver, but a 1,500-yard receiver. I want to be considered up there with Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins. I'm, I'm thinking about like Kyrie Irving left LeBron James because he wanted his own team. Like Athletes do not think just always squarely logically, you know? Um, so if there's one thing that could take us by surprise, I think it's that. Did you have something that you, popped in your mind? I was going to say, are, are you looking into like a, a possible trade scenario to like would surprise well, everybody? Yeah, but uh, yeah. you know, his That's value what I was is thinking. extremely high, and maybe the, the you know the, there's not not everything is great uh, you know behind the scenes. And, People and don't just skip practice for two yeah. days in a row. It just says, like I've never seen it before since the, covering the team that someone just like doesn't show up for work for a few. The days. Giants got rid of Odell Beckham Jr. Right, you know, uh, for a first was I think a first rounder and a third rounder or something like that. So um, you know they they decided to move on from a player maybe with that similar sort of mentality i guess of, of wearing uh, his feelings on his sleeve or, or whatever that whatever that fray is for emotions on his sleeve but mm-hmm. yeah and maybe, maybe he's a guy that the vikings get a first round draft pick for stefan Diggs. i mean and that can help you get the quarterback you need 
I mean, that, that might be a situation that the Vikings would have to think about, but only they know, uh, and only Stefan knows, how they feel about you know, coming back to this football team next year. So I, I just want to make a quick correction. I had clicked forward to 2021 and not 2020 on those Linval Joseph and Xavier Rhodes dead cap hits. And I appreciate our listener, David, for pointing this out to me. So Linval, they can move on for uh, $2.4 million of dead cap, and they could move on from Xavier Rhodes for 4.8. And both of those guys are going to make $12.9 million this year. It doesn't really change the conversation. It's the same. They'd that, be saving about $18 million yes. uh, for, for the cap that could be used for you know who knows what. So I, I, you got to think that the, that they're going to make a couple of those moves, at, at least two, if not you know if not three of those guys on defense have been there for a while. Uh, good chance they might be somewhere else next year. Yep, for sure. Now, Monday, you and I will have a chance, Sage, to break down who is going to be in the Super Bowl, and we'll see if we have maybe an offensive coordinator by then, or if not, we can discuss what the Vikings should be looking for for some of these coaching positions that are wide open and what that means toward their future. So great stuff as always. Sage, appreciate you, man. Looking forward to next week, and we'll see how this uh, this championship goes. The Packers and the 49ers, two classic football teams who have won their fair share, fair share of Super Bowls. Another and, Rosen Bowl. And two, yeah, two coaches that are like, uh, you know, basically best friends. So that's, uh, that's, this should be a fun game to watch. All right, Sage. We'll talk to you on Monday. Coming up next, Hot Routes, uh, Judd Zolgad will be in here when we return. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Hey, everyone. It's Phil Mackey here. And a little over two years ago, my mom died way too young at the hands of a rare blood cancer. She left me with two pieces of advice. Be a good person and give back. So my mission is to help erase blood cancers from the planet. And I would love your help, Score North listeners, because on February 15th, we are participating in the Big Climb Minneapolis. 53 stories of stair climbing downtown Minneapolis. Proceeds benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Minnesota. MackeyLLS.com to sign up and use the promo code Mackey to get on our team for just $20. Let's raise a bunch of money to knock out blood cancer. Join Team Mackey on February 15th at the Big Climb. MackeyLLS.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! 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 Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Rods on Purple Daily. 580! 397! All right. This is a Zolgadian version of Hot Routes, as Judd Zolgad is not only here for hour number two, Sam Monson will join the show at 3.30, um, but uh, also you have authored these Hot Routes. So, Jonathan, if you want to kick the NFL music into gear, a shout-out, by the way, great one to start with, the Oakland Raiders Forever uh, song here. Shout out to Steve Sable, who, of course, is uh, no longer with us. Yes. We'll be going into the Hall of Fame. And someone who shaped all of our views of how to tell the story of the National Football League, Judd. I, I mean, just, just someone that was really important to me growing up watching NFL films each week and uh, learning about the league that way, learning about storytelling that way. I mean, it meant a lot to me. NFL the Sable films, family, right? Yeah. Oh, Ed started it. Steve yeah. and his dad, Ed, yeah. started that thing. And that is, so that's the blueprint for how to do sports 
media for a league right. Yes. Oh, I mean, it's yeah. so perfect. Yes. And you think about what they did in the 60s. It's incredible. Like, nobody would be thinking about that. Think if baseball had done that. And I, I'm not saying that there's not cool things from baseball back then, because there are. But when you think about how they thought, okay, what's going what's gonna to make this product Harness this product yes. and make it popular. Yes. So you're exactly it's, right. It is the league is what it is today. Yes. In part in large part because of Steve and, and Ed Sable. Absolutely. And I was not really uh, around for the Ed Sable era. You know, with what was the guy's the guy's name? John Facenda, John the, the voice, Facenda the voice of God. Right. But Steve Sable would do a lot of the voiceovers of the packages when he was in charge, yes. and it's sort of his voice and his interviews and things like that that. Um, you know, people of all generations learn to love the league that way. So I'm very glad that he will have a bust in Canton. All right, let's start it off here. The first hot route from you, Zolga. Drew Pearson did not get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame again. And Vikings fans, let it go, uh, delighted <laughs> to can't. see not it. Gonna happen. They are delighted to see it. He was so mad. Did you see the video of him being yeah, upset? I, my Vikings fans bleed for the man who pushed off on Nate Wright. <laughs> what was he supposed to do? It was not his fault he pushed off. It was the referees you should be mad at, not Drew Pearson. Uh, he, they got hit by a, a, a whiskey bottle, though. Yeah. Did he? Armin yeah. Terzin. Oh. The official, as he came off the field at Met Stadium, a guy threw oh, no. a whiskey bottle. I want to say Brian Murphy found that guy years after the fact. Really? I think he did. That's classic Murph. Armin Terzin took it right in the noggin. Um, so your question for this hot route, Judd, yeah. is you want a great player that you can't stand. Yes. And it can't be OJ. Yeah, I, I don't want to make it OJ because that's just too obvious. Okay, well, you wrote the question. Why don't you start it off? Okay, I'm going to start with with a guy who was a um, a, a star defensive back in my era of starting to watch football, but of course was among the most cheap players that probably played the game, the assassin Jack Tatum. Oh, sure. Jack Tatum was, and if I'm not mistaken, it was Jack Tatum was at least involved in the hit on Sammy White in the 1976, but 77 January of Super Bowl, in which Sammy White's helmet goes flying off, and for years we all thought, isn't that great? Now with the CTE, we all think, boy, that's not so great. Yeah. But Jack Tatum was a man who, um, who hunted people on the field and certainly qualifies as a guy you could not stand. If you, if... You weren't a Raiders fan. That's a, that's a good pick. Jonathan? I think for me, it's always been Joe Namath. Guy's in the Hall of Fame, and he has a losing quarterback so record. So overrated. Has a losing quarterback record. Led the league in touchdowns once. Led the league in interceptions four times. <laughs> and it's just, his career just, it's not that great. And I don't understand why he's in the Hall of Fame. It's probably just because he predicted a Super Bowl win once yes. as a New York Jet he quarterback. Brought Joe. It was a huge right. moment for the Fantastic. league. He was an iconic celebrity. Yes. But... It doesn't. That's not worthy of getting you into the Hall of Fame. No, I totally agree. Uh, how great does this player have to be? Do they have to be in the Hall of Fame? No. In fact, Drew Pearson is not. So oh, that's the well, very that's, right. that's, yeah, that's the very right. question. I was. I've compared this quarterback to um, Kirk Cousins before, and not because I dislike this quarterback, because I just think it's apt. Uh, but Drew Bledsoe. I thought was an obnoxious player to watch. Huh. He would not move anywhere. He would throw the ball 70 times. He'd get 4,000 yards, and people would act like he was so great. And he would never really win anything. He got them to one Super Bowl. They got killed by Favre and Desmond Howard. And he just looked like a miserable dude. And when he went to Buffalo, <laughs> he made more business decisions than I've ever seen any player ever in the history of my life make. 
Like, oh, I'm just really? gonna, I'm just gonna go down, just take this sack and not get hit hard or not do anything exceptional to, you know, take a risk or whatever else. I'm just gonna make sure I get out of Buffalo alive and get that massive paycheck. It was a complete embarrassment. His time with the Bills that qualifies, and him. he had a chance to make the playoffs in his first year there, and all they had to do was beat the Pittsburgh Steelers with their backups playing. Brian St. Pierre got into the game, by the way, uh, and they lost. Because Bledsoe just had no heart and no leadership, and he was a joke. So That's a good one. I, he, he was good. He made three Pro Bowls. Yeah. But bleep him. All right. <laughs> Luke, uh, here's your next question. <laughs> Said much like a guy who followed the Bills at the time. Uh, next question. Luke Keekley's retirement uh, continued a trend of young players deciding that they have uh, had enough and they're going to walk away. What Vikings player who is under 30 would su- would not surprise you right. if they walked away start, from the game. I want to start with you. Because you're, you're around this team on a daily basis and get to actually talk to people. 30. Who would not surprise you if he decided... It, like, if tomorrow they called a press conference... And I'm not saying that you wouldn't be like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Mm. But what player would you say, you know what, the more I think about it, the more it makes sense? Well, I think there's one obvious answer of a guy who has not turned 30 yet and looks like a broken man, which is Xavier Rhodes. Like, I'm not sure he can run anymore. Okay. And that is a little bit of a problem. Sure. Beyond him, I would say Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr is a smart guy who has now made a lot of money in his career, and he's a linebacker. It's a really tough position. He does not have a ton of injuries or anything like that, like Luke Keekley did with lots of concussions and, and different things that piled up. But if there was one guy whose just disposition said to me, you know, he could be doing something else. He could don't go, really love it. Yeah, he could go back to L.A. I don't want to accuse him of not loving football because he puts in the work. Sure. But who could go back to L.A. and decide to do something else, become like a business owner or get into Hollywood or something like, you know, he just right. he's a guy that has a personality that's a little bit different from the I will play football till I die like type of personality. So I guess I would go with either Rhodes or Barr. All right. I'm going to go with a defensive end who I don't know, but I do know from what I've read that he is what one would consider to be a renaissance man, 25-year-old Stephen Weatherly. Yeah. He plays yeah. what? A Hasn't bunch made of enough money yet. Instruments. Though, no, yes. no, but he, he sounds like a guy. Again, you don't want to accuse guys of not being in love with the sport, but you definitely see people who have interests outside the sport and who you say, you know, I'm sort of surprised you play football. And it's just... From the stuff I've read about him, highly intelligent, really, fella. really intelligent, yes. could easily say went to Vanderbilt. I really don't messing around. You know, I might be goofing around with CTE here, and I love the sport, but I don't know if this is the right path for me. So, Stephen yeah. Weatherly is my response. That's a good one. I'm going with the running back Dalvin Cook, 24, soon to be 25. He's had the injuries throughout his career. He gets one big contract. I can see him playing one to two years through that contract and saying, "Look, injuries have already taken attacks on me. I'm done here." Hmm. The only thing with Cook is that the dude just loves yeah. football. Like, he will play through any injury that he possibly can, and he always has, because he is football, football, football. He strikes me as, as Arizona Cardinals in eight years, and you're like, dude, retire. Also, Emmett Smith? Just stay out. Just stop yeah. it. Stop I, playing football. I think your logic with the sheer number of injuries that's piled up makes sense. From what I know of him and his personality, I would be really surprised. I, I agree with you, Judd, that he is much more of a 
That guy plays for the Bucks now? Why are you in the XFL? (laughs) Get out of the XFL! Stop this! Right, you made this many millions of dollars, but you're playing in Europe or whatever? (laughs) Yeah. He he's a he's a football guy. Uh, all right, your next question. Ryan Tannehill has gone from being let go by Miami to being in the AFC East title game with the Titans. Name the uh, so far disappointing quarterback who you think could make it to a conference title game next season. I already have this answer, okay. so I'm just going to give it to you okay. because I've I've mentioned it before. I think it's Marcus Mariota who is not good. Full circle. He's not good. Yep. But on the right team, he might be able to get them into the playoffs. Because it's not like the guy was a total disaster as a starting quarterback. They didn't go three and thirteen, and then all of a sudden he ends up, uh, you know, on the bench and Tannehill takes over and is suddenly amazing. Through a three-year stretch for him being their starting quarterback, twenty sixteen to twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. he went twenty four and nineteen as a starting quarterback. Which, you know, his quarterback rating was about 97.5 yards per attempt. That's nowhere near terrible. Mm -hmm. If he went somewhere else, possibly played in a different system, he's got athleticism, he's got some leadership qualities. I think it's, it's possible that he could. Sadly, I would also have to say Jameis Winston, but I don't think he'll ever win anything. I mean, just, you have to say him because he puts up such big numbers and everything. Yeah, but... But I think he's trash. So I'm going with the guy. I'm going with the guy who has been, <laughs> who has been up the mountain, down it, up it, down it again. 2019 disappointment for sure. But my prediction is Carson Wentz gets hurt. This guy finds his way back to Philadelphia and is in the conference title game next year. Because every time he goes to Philadelphia, it works great. Nick Foles. Nick Foles. <laughs> Nick Foles finds his way back to Doug Peterson's system and is in the conference title game because if there's one guy's career that when it's all said and done, you're going to look at and say, I just don't get that career. It's Nick Foles, so why not? Here's something crazy about Nick Foles, though. So uh, next year, his cap hit is $21 million. Oh. And they can't move on. Oh. His dead cap is $33 so million, what do they do? So there's no releasing him. So what's their choice with Minshew? I think he's just got to get paid. I think they'll just pay Nick Foles to be the backup and have Minshew start, and then Marone gets fired, and I'll think that was great. So, um, well, Marone should have been fired by now. Yeah, you know, and just fact, put a bullet in the guy. That like, question's coming up. There, but there's no, there's no moving. I'm going to move on from that there's, one. There's, there's no win without. There's, no. There's, there really is not a situation <laughs> where you can move forward with Doug Marone and think you're going to win. Right. Like their team is now awful. They don't even have talent at this point. It's just completely corroded from where they were in the AFC Championship game. So if they're still holding that up, I don't know what they're doing. Thinking Nick Foles was going to raise the level of that team was a disaster. And in fact, that is the next question on coaches. But what about Jonathan's answer on who you think will go from disappointing to good next year? Can you? uh, I don't know if he's going to be good. His team's going to be good. Can you consider Josh Allen a disappointment? Oh yeah, he was okay. Horrendous because it'd be him you know, because the, the team backwards. around him. Yeah, it's the team around. <laughs> when he tried him. to lateral to the fans. Yes, <laughs> yes. The team around him, I think, can get him to the the AFC Championship game. I don't think he's going to be the one leading them, but I think it's because the team around him and the and who he has as a coach. They're in a tough spot because the fans seem to like Josh Allen, which. Yeah. If I understand why, it, I mean, I, it's your people, man. He had he averaged fifty six. Percent completion percentage. Your fans. Under 200 yards passing a game. How do you do that? Under six yards or <laughs> under seven yards per attempt. And here's what makes this even worse. They had an incredibly easy schedule 
And he had four fourth quarter comebacks, which you would say, oh, wow, that's really good. But it's not repeatable. Like year to year, fourth quarter comebacks. So more likely than not, he's not going to come through in those spots next year. And they're going to play harder teams. And even though they could still win the division, they're not going to be a contender. If you were smart in Buffalo, you'd be calling around on other quarterbacks, on Teddy Bridgewater, on Phillip Rivers. But they probably won't because the franchise drafted him. And you know what they do. They stick with the guy that they drafted, even when it's right in your face that it's not going to work. True. All right, our next question. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers fired John Gruden in 2009 on January 16th. What's today? Tomorrow. January 15th. Okay. So it's tomorrow. Give me the coach who you would not think would get fired because we've moved past Black Monday and so forth. Right. But you also would not be surprised. Go ahead, Judd. I'm going to stay local here. I agree. Exit meetings going on. I totally agree. You with know, this. Mike, we've got a different philosophy wow. on things. And Somebody Mike tweeted says, me about this this morning, and I said nothing would surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if he went into the meeting with the Wilfs and said, "We need a different quarterback," and they said, "Too bad, we're signing Kirk to an extension." Or if he said, "No way, are we send, spending a first round pick on a quarterback?" and the Wilfs said, "Too bad, that's what we're doing." And then Mike said, okay, well, if you're not going to give me what I need to win next year, I'm out. Monday's presser didn't sound like a guy who had answers. No, I agree. Like, he, he didn't sound like a guy who had met with the brass. I, and I, I don't think he I had. I agree. Yeah, I so agree. So if, if we found out tomorrow that the Vikings and Mike Zimmer had elected to move on from each other, I would not be yeah, surprised. Or if he just decided, like, I gave it my best shot. And the way he talked about the older players yep. was a, a little bit of a guy of, like, we missed it. We missed the window. And you and I have talked about this forever with the defense. You only get so many shots with a great defense. And if you don't get there during that time, you mm-hmm. miss your window. And the window's over. We're talking about Linval Joseph not being here, Xavier Rhodes being gone, Everson Griffin being gone, and even someone like Stephen Weatherly is not going to be here probably. And, and so even players you've developed, like Anthony Harris, might go and leave in free agency. Yep. And guys all signed here back after 2017. Because they saw, okay, this is a great team in a Super Bowl window. That's not going to happen now. I, I think they all see the writing on the wall. So if they announced tomorrow that Zimmer was stepping down and not coming back, I actually wouldn't be super, super, super stunned. That's my choice. I'm not reporting it, though. So nobody <laughs> think that. Like, I'm just... I <laughs> what if, to make that what if Hot Routes turned into the... Uh, a report that somebody picked up on and ran with? Would it surprise you? No, you always have to say it. You like, know what, though? You would have to credit Hot Routes, R-O-U-T-E-Z. <laughs> yes, yes. So, like, if Imagine you were going to if you were going to crawl it, and that is, uh, it's not Hot Routes, it's Hot Routes. That, that, is yeah. a, that is a trademark Cronin. She demanded that it had the well, Z. She works for she works for them, so they could get it right um, on the crawl. I'll, uh, Jonathan, you give one, and I'll see if I can come up with another one. I don't think I'm going to take... I, I'm not going to take yours. I imagine you're going to take the guy in Jacksonville. So I'm going to take the guy, one of the other guys in Florida, Brian Flores. He didn't lose enough this year. Is he going to lose enough next year when it's more important that they lose because of who's coming out in that draft? They're going to win games next year, and it's going to be so And they're hilarious. not going to want to because yep. Trevor Lawrence will be the de facto number so one. So they would fire or, a, a Belichick disciple based on the fact they think he's going to be too good. <laughs> No, no I, I'm that's what galaxy it, brain. Right I'm not there. making fun of you. I'm <laughs> saying that that's your logic, and yeah. I understand it. Yeah, no, I get it. But that would be like next level thinking by Miami. Sorry, Brian, you did way too good this year, and you kind of screwed us. So, uh, or, or they're just going to draft Tua and go forward uh, with them. Adam Gase is my answer. I mean, that guy's a joke. 
You know, that's a good one, too. I mean, if... Totally if, could see that happening. Usually, if you... Are, the Jets. If you own yes. the Jets, you You're should right. be sitting there watching Ryan Tannehill like, wait, Gase was the coach of Tannehill, and he was not good in Miami, and goes to work with uh, Mike Vrabel, and is all of a sudden amazing? Yep. This is not the guy who can get us to There's Sam a number Darnold of players. There was a number of players from his Miami teams that did that this year. Yeah. Running back who went to Arizona, Kenyon yep. Drake? Yep, yep. Yeah, not super stunning. Not super stunning. I like all three of these. Adam Gase was chasing tacos with his eyeballs around the first press conference, so I'm not really super stunned that it didn't work out. All right, final one. No, there's a bonus one. There's a bonus one. There's a bonus hot rod. With Kevin Stefanski leaving to take the head coaching job in Cleveland, give me the next Vikings assistant who will be a head coach in the NFL. Hmm, This is a good question, Judd. Hmm. What did you have in mind when you wrote this? Who do you think on the staff? I I can t- tell you who I think cuz I think I think if he is as successful as they hope he is next season calling plays and can take his old man along, mm-hmm. that Clint Kubiak would be possibly a good hire because then his dad would obviously go with him and I'm pretty firmly sure that if uh, the status quo remains at TCL Performance Center, that Clint Kubiak is going to be the OC in 2020. I think so, too. So he is my he is my choice in part because of the lineage he could bring along. Um, Jonathan, do you know any of the other assistants after all of them uh, have gone? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've got the list up in front of me, but Clint Kubiak was my number one. If, if he gets, yeah. if what's being thought of that he's going to take over the offensive coordinator position and he does good enough then yeah bring bring your dad along and you'll be the next head coach of whatever team wants to hire you i'll go deep in the woods here on this one uh drew petzing who's the wide receivers coach is the next kevin stefanski he's a really highly intelligent guy i think he's an ivy leaguer um they they've moved him up and moved him up from like quality control and up to wide receivers coach and the times where i've had a chance to chat with him i just find him to be one of those guys who has a great energy but is also highly intelligent and loves the details of the game. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up coaching quarterbacks if Clint Kubiak gets the job to be OC. Okay. Petzing goes with quarterbacks, they hire a new receivers coach and then Petzing, once you're a QB coach, like you're in that yeah, hot zone in of, the mix. You can be a head coach. Definitely. And uh with his sort of general disposition uh, and uh, high football IQ, I, I think that he's a guy who we could look for. Um, all right, your bonus hot route question. Just for you. You can only have one of these things back in the NFL. This is, Col- <laughs> this is just for Collar. Neck roll, neck pad, which the guy from Clemson who got kicked out had. Huge shoulder he pads, tearaway jerseys, dirt infields. Which one would you take? <laughs> Since the question is for me, I mean, neck roll is the obvious answer that I have to give for this because we give out neck roll of the week all yep. season long. Yep. But I will miss dirt infield. I never had to get tackled onto it, so maybe I you know, don't have the same opinion as Oakland Raiders players. But dirt infields were just a great, random, sort of weird They're glorious. Thing. You'd have kickers kicking off of the infield and stuff. Guys catching yeah. passes in the dirt. Falling in the dirt. You see a, cl- a literal cloud of dust. Yes. That's <laughs> great. I loved it. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. Since you took that, I'm going to g- give you what I saw 
In fact, in college, it was commonplace. I remember, I want to say Earl Campbell of the Oilers had this, the tearaway jersey. (laughs) There was nothing better than some poor defensive, like a linebacker or a safety, grabbing at Earl Campbell, and the next thing you knew, Earl Campbell's jersey was in their hand, and Earl was streaking down the field (laughs) with his his huge shoulder pads and not much else up top. I'm going tearaway jersey. I love the tearaway jersey. I miss them. How about you, Jonathan? I'm going the huge shoulder pads just because it oh, hit yeah. the necks, and it just looked absolutely the hilarious. Herschel Walker pads. These guys Unreal. just running around the field with these monstrous shoulder pads yes. that go halfway up their heads. It's hilarious. <laughs> I have one more hot route for you guys. Uh, something I asked Sage last hour. Who is drafting Trevor Lawrence? I know the answer, and it's the worst answer in the whole world. It's the New England Patriots. They're going to tank next year, and they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, and everyone's going to hate everything. Oh, he would be the ideal Patriots quarterback. I know. I know. Just sort of a cool customer. If it's not the Patriots, who's finishing dead last and drafting Trevor Lawrence? I was having trouble with this. I was thinking about this last night, looking through, and I really don't know. A lot of teams kind of have answers. You know what's funny is you might be onto something because he's the type of quarterback that you, like the Colts did with Luck, you purposely are just like, oh, we're terrible. Oh, yeah. We're absolutely terrible. Yeah, and Indianapolis was a so, Super Bowl contender the year before, and then yeah. they just tanked. Peyton Manning's out. What should we do? Uh, nothing. Right. If Brady leaves, then whatever his name is, Jason Statham or whoever their backup quarterback <laughs> is, Jared Stidham, what is his name? I don't know. It doesn't matter. You play him, and he's terrible, and yeah. that's it. Sign Kerry Collins. This is a great one. Who else is going to be? Who else right now is? Jacksonville is the best choice, I think. Yeah, but they'll goof it up. You're right. They'll goof it up. They'll the, win the, Dol- the Dolphins, to Jonathan's point, should be in on this. They'll goof it up. Yep. yep. Denver might have a shot if Drew Locke is absolutely horrible, but I don't think he's going to. Be. You know who might do it on purpose? You know who I could see? He's savvy enough to tank this thing bad on purpose, and I think he could do it still. John Gruden and Vegas. Could. And what? Trevor Lawrence and Vegas. Because Oh, and by the way, next year... Is a free year for them. Lose 16 games, no one's going to care. I'll give you the low-key one would be the Los Angeles Rams. That they would move on from Jared Goff. Because look at their division next year. Be Kyler bad. Murray's going to get better. Can they be 49ers? bad enough? I think... I think, I, could see, I think that team's horrible right now. Because I don't think Carr's that good. And I could see Gruden grind... They won't have the draft pick to do it. The Rams traded away oh, all their... Okay, oh, that's right. right. That's right. Yep. All I'm right. going with the Raiders. Okay. I forgot the about The Vegas Raiders are going to get that cool cat, and he's going to lead them to Super Bowls. Washington football team's got a shot. Because if uh, Dwayne Haskins is horrendous... Yeah. But Ron Rivera's going to try to win there. Yes, so. he is. And, and Snyder doesn't have the patience. I'll give you one more. Carolina trades Cam Newton away to the Bears or something. And purposely and stinks? Then, yeah, and then plays that actually is a good. That's yeah. a good one. That's a good one because they're smart enough. All right. Be the um, Lions. Eh, I feel like they're going to try to win. They'd accidentally sweep the Vikings. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's uh, get Sam Monson in here and talk offseason with Sam Monson. He had a tweet the other day about Anthony Harris and why the Vikings should bring him back. He had a tweet about the offensive line, which I saw some people uh, bristle a little bit about for the Vikings. So I want to get the offseason plan from Sam Monson. When we return, you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North Download Destination Winter St. Paul featuring the Wells Fargo Winter Skate and the Sicarian Financial Super Slide is open now through February 22nd over at CHS Field in St. Paul. 
The Wells Fargo Winter Skate opens daily at 11 a.m. and the Securian Financial Superslide is open Thursday through Sunday. For more information, visit scorenorth.com, keyword winter. The big news of the day outside of the Vikings in Minnesota sports is that Josh Donaldson has signed with the Twins for a reported four-year deal worth $92 million. We have all your coverage that you'll ever need over at scorenorth.com. you got Zolgad's column. you got Derek Wetmore's thoughts on it. We've been covering it all day. We're going to talk about it here on Mackie and Judd coming up in just a bit. That's been your Score North Download. Now back to the final segment of the day of Purple Daily. All right, we're back here on Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, Jonathan Harrison producing as always. And now we welcome in a fan favorite of the show. He does the PFF NFL show and also the lead NFL analyst for Pro Football Focus. It is Sam Monson. What is up, Sam? Hey, how's it going, guys? We're doing okay. I've been following your tweets, uh, as one does, and uh, some have pertained Uh-oh. to the, yeah, I know, uh, <laughs> the um, Minnesota Vikings uh off season, and I just want to start with um, Anthony Harris here, Sam, because when we're having conversations about what this roster is going to look like, I think it could be very, very different from this year to next year if Anthony Harris doesn't want to resign, if they move on from Everson Griffin, from Linval Joseph, from Xavier Rhodes. We are talking about a potentially huge change considering this defense has been together for essentially the entire Mike Zimmer era. How do you think this is going to play out on defense for the Vikings? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Whether they make those sweeping changes or not, there's a lot of changes that need to be made on this defense because it has gotten a little bit stale. It's lost some of the talent in certain key positions because guys like Xavier Rhodes just isn't playing at the level they expected from him and they need him to be playing at. Um, so, yeah, I think we've reached a point where this defense is due uh, a lot of significant turnover. But I think a guy like Anthony Harris should not be amongst the players moving on. I mean, he has become a, a truly fantastic safety. He's an all-pro caliber player, a guy that graded well consistently anytime he got on the field in previous seasons at PFF and then finally earned himself that, that shot to, to be a full-time player. And if anything got even better when that happened. So, you know, I, I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NFL and deserves a big-time free agent deal, whether it's in Minnesota or somewhere else. Yeah, by your metrics uh, at PFF, one of the best in the entire league, him and Harrison Smith, they just so happen to have two really great safeties. But this is a team, Sam, that has very tricky cap situation. They've spent a lot of money on people to be a Super Bowl contender, and they really haven't gotten that close since 2017. So how do they manage that? I mean, how do you make those decisions based on what positional value they're going to have to replace cornerbacks clearly, probably let Trey Wayans and Xavier Rhodes go? Like They have a lot of work here to do to even get back to being where they were this year, which was fifth in the NFL and points allowed. Yeah, they do. And, you know, the good news for them is that they have a great salary cap guy there. They have a guy that's capable of doing a lot. And obviously every single year you make a bunch of moves in terms of shifting money around, converting it to bonuses and that kind of thing and creating space in that regard. But yeah, they're going to have to make some decisions. There are going to, there are guys who are not living up to contracts. There are guys that, that just aren't, justifying the kind of money they're on and those are those are easy decisions to potentially move on from but there are tougher calls in there as well and you know they they even 
they've made some of those tough calls in the past. It was interesting that they brought back Kyle Rudolph. You know, he was a player that felt like one of those potential cap casualties when you are having to manage your cap and try to keep within a certain level. Um, but they didn't. They brought him back, and he's, you know, on a decent sum of money. And, you know, it, it, I don't know if that was the wrong decision or not, but it's just another one of those contracts that that you look at and are, are sort of, you know, that's big money for a, for a guy, and you've got a lot of those contracts on the roster. Sam, who wouldn't you bring back? Because, you know, Rhodes is probably not going to be back. So beyond him, of the guys under contract, if you were to sit down and make some difficult decisions, give me one or two names of guys that you might say, you're still an okay player, but we need your uh, cap room. Yeah, I mean, I think the cornerbacks are the obvious thing. Uh, Rhodes, obviously, but Trey Waynes as well, mm-hmm. you know, was a, a moderate starting cornerback and is probably going to be that for the entirety of his career. And there's value in that, but it depends, you know, what that's going to cost. You, can you get a Trey, Lane, Trey Waynes level productive player for either a lot less in terms of, uh, contract outlay or in the draft? Um, and I think you kind of have to back yourself to say that, yeah, we can. Um, and so, you know, I think those are the two most obvious players. Neither of those cornerbacks is really living up to the kind of uh, reputation that that they should, whether it's, you know, Xavier Rhodes being a top corner in the past or Trey Waynes being a former top pick. Um, they, they've got to look to get cheaper at that position. Talking with Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus here on Purple Daily. All right, let's talk about the quarterback situation, Sam. Now, I was going through for an article here all the numbers over the last five years as a starter, and in a lot of different areas, Kirk Cousins is among the top, top five in this, you know, adjusted yards per attempt and all those things. And this year was by far his best pro football focus performance. And and I guess I wonder if you think that this is more of who he is, that he can be top five by your guys' metrics and uh, lead an offense that's top 10, or if this is the outlier season that they need to not judge a future extension on? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously this season shows he can be that guy, but just the way all this kind of stuff works, always lean with the larger sample size. And the larger sample size for Kirk Cousins says that he is closer to a you know top 15, top 10 quarterback than he is a top 5 one. Um, I think ultimately this was kind of this was the high end of what you would have expected from Kirk Cousins when you made the deal to bring him in. I don't think anybody was ever under the illusion that Kirk Cousins is an all-pro caliber quarterback, but he was a quarterback that's capable of giving you this kind of performance, which if it had been on you know, the 2017 Vikings, might have been enough to win them the Super Bowl. But it wasn't. It was on the 2019 version, and they just didn't have enough talent to beat teams like the 49ers uh, despite Kirk Cousins be, being at this kind of level. So, you know, I, I don't know that he's uh, he's not worth an extension, a big money extension, because, look, he's already on a, a lot of money, and it's not necessarily an unjust sum. It's just that you need to understand the kind of roster you still need to be able to put around him with that amount of money already committed to, to one player, and that, you know, has its own set of challenges. Sam, with where the position is going to, when you look at Kirk, to me, it strikes me as if this was, let's say, 2004, okay? Kirk Cousins is just fine. He might not be great, but he's just fine. But just as far as, not just from what the numbers say, but also with where this position and this game is going, 
Are we also to a point where, where Kirk Cousins' style of play, uh, unless you're Brady, unless you're just phenomenal, really doesn't necessarily uh, fit the direction of this league? Uh, I don't think so. I think if you have a quarterback that's mobile and can do you know things outside the pocket um, and ba- avoid pressure or avoid sacks, be able to escape when guys get their hands on you, I think that's a huge bonus. But I don't think that you. I don't think of the guy that doesn't bring those things to the table is you know archaic and an anachronism in today's NFL. I think he still has a spot. But again, it just it highlights the things that you need to put around Kirk Cousins in order for him to win you a Super Bowl. It's not that it's impossible, but you're not going to do it with an offensive line that's not good. You know, an offensive line that can't pass protect, teamed with a guy that can't move, and anytime somebody puts their hand on him, he turtles up and hits the floor, that's a bad combination. You know, you're going to need to do one of This doesn't sound good, Sam. This doesn't sound good right now. Other than that, it's fine. (laughs) I mean, you you need to change one of those outlooks, right? You either need to change the quarterback so that when somebody puts a hand on him, he can escape and make a play, or you need to get people that are better at preventing people putting a hand on him. You know, it's not that one of those is necessarily a better way of going. It's just that one of them has to happen. All right, so... How do they fix the offensive line to the point where Cousins won't make them worse? Because I was looking back through his career, Sam, on your guys' you know numbers of how often he gets pressured, and guess what? It's always a lot. It's never that he's uh, you know one of the best guys at, at avoiding pressure. He's never one uh, that's good at getting rid of the ball quickly, like someone like Drew Brees or Tom Brady. He's always among the quarterbacks who are holding on to the ball the most and making his offensive line worse than they already are. And this offensive line was absolutely horrendous when they were asked to pass protect on straight dropbacks, but in order to go anywhere in the playoffs, I feel like you have to win on straight dropbacks at some point. So, I, I mean, there's no like left tackle free agent that just solves your problems. They're, you know, the left guard is the least valuable position out there. The center they're going to stick with for a while. The right guard at least will be the same next year. I just don't see how exactly they're supposed to do this to get to a point where your offensive line is so good that Kirk Cousins won't make them worse. I don't, yeah, I don't think it needs to be so good. Um, but I do think it needs, I do think they need to get rid of all the players that are active problems. You're right. Kirk Cousins is not going to, he's not a player that makes an offensive line look really good. So the Saints, you know, they had some injuries this year in the O line and Drew Brees during the time where those guys were hurt had by far the fastest average time to throw in the NFL. It was just, look, I have a backup playing left tackle. If I don't get the ball out of my hands in two seconds, I'm going to get hit. So that's what I'm going to do. Cousins is never going to do that. So if you don't have five guys along the offensive line that aren't a problem, he's going to take a ton of pressure. But you can do that. You can assemble an offensive line that has five guys that are not weak links. The problem is right now they have at least three weak links on the offensive line, probably four, um, and that's too many. And five different positions to fill on defense, Sam. I mean, they have a lot of positions to fill, and I feel like the offensive line is just going to be the same. Well, look, don't blame me because they failed I'm to draft not offensive blaming linemen for you. <laughs> Sam, where where would you start? Like, if we if we were to just start this conversation and say, all right, you can replace today one O-lineman, where do we start? Who Who is the weakest link? Elfline? Oh, Elfline's by far the weakest link. Okay. But he's in, you know, a less important position than, than left tackle, than Riley Reese. Sure. So I, that, that, I think, is a debate. You could go either way there. 
Sorry, I'm just tweeting that you're saying it's not your fault that the offensive Collar, line struggles. Collar's very upset, Sam. <laughs> hey, hey, Sam, if if uh, if I'm Spielman and you're my uh, right hand guy, and Dalvin Cook's agent comes to us in March and says, "I'm going into the fourth, or my client's going into the fourth year of his contract. We need a raise, and it's got to be a multi year deal. And without that, he's not going to show up for training camp." Your advice to me as the Vikings GM would be what when it comes to Dalvin Cook? I mean, that would be a really tough spot because, you know, all of the PFF data, as we know, says that, look, running backs are by and large a product of their environment. And if they're just not worth paying because of that, if you don't have the environment, they're not going to succeed long term. That being said, Dalvin Cook has done an awful lot of his own legwork in terms of overachieving compared with his environment. But you know, we've been talking about what a tough spot they're in from a cap point of view, and the environment still sucks. So they need to de- dedicate the money to the offensive line, to the other positions, and they probably just can't afford to spend it on Dalvin Cook. We've seen that Alexander Madison is capable of coming in and having good performances, and the draft is coming up. You know, that is where you take running backs. I think you have to make a tough call and say, sorry, we're just not going to spend the money on Dalvin. I think so, too. But I also think that Mike Zimmer absolutely loves Dalvin Cook more than we love anything in our lives. And so I I feel like he would pressure them to try and keep Dalvin Cook. And this is where I wonder what you think about Mike Zimmer's position, Sam, where... He still is not off the hot seat entirely because of what happened in San Francisco and still coming up short again of reaching the NFC Championship game since spending all that money on Kirk Cousins. His defense started to slip a little bit this year, and now there's a lot of changes that are going to be coming. And I I just think they're in an awkward position because... Leading up to this, it was all Mike Zimmer's brainchild. It was his vision to build the defense this way, and it came to fruition with a number 1 defense in 2017, but it hasn't entirely worked since then, and I'm not sure who is calling the shots on the roster from here going forward. So I think it's just kind of a strange spot they're in, Sam, with Mike Zimmer. Yeah, I mean, I think for the first time, this roster needs like a significant overhaul. You know, the first time around it was, well, let's just change the quarterback. Everything else is kind of in place. We just need a guy that's capable of winning games that, you know, Teddy or uh, Case Keenum, those guys are not capable of, of winning. So we'll bring in Kirk Cousins, we'll spend the money there, and he'll paper over whatever other cracks we can't spend on because of that. Now they reach the point where it's like, all right, this whole thing is not working We're going to lose a bunch of guys. Other people need replacing. Now we have a significant rebuild job to do to even get back to the point of being competitive again next year. And any time that's the case, I think people are vulnerable in terms of Mm -hmm. uh, the hot seat. Yeah, I think so too. And it's just uh, that we're in a, a bit of a weird transition spot for this team that I think there could be a lot of things that end up going different uh, in this offseason. Last thing for you, who do you think will win the football games that determine the Super Bowl? Give me who you think uh, will win them. <laughs> I think, I mean, I'm going to be boring and just go with both the favorites. I think, I, you know, their favorites for a reason. It's tough to look beyond either one of them. I do think that the. NFC Championship game in particular will end up being a much closer game than it was the last time those two teams faced. Um, if for no other reason than Aaron Rodgers is playing completely differently than he did that day. How many radio hits do you do where they're like, all right, Sam, what do you think of this game? 
Because I, I know that every time I would do one last week leading up to the Vikings and 49ers, what do you think of Kirk Cousins? Well, oh, well, do you have like uh, 11 hours for me to just uh, tell you everything I think? Yeah, well, that's why, you know, you tune into the PFF podcast where we go that's more right. in depth in these games than we do in a standard like radio hype. That's that's good. That's good. Uh, it is called the PFF NFL Show, by the way, and you can find it wherever you get your podcast. Sam is great on it. Steve is, uh, you know, he does his best. So um, let's. Yeah, uh, right. Well, we'll do this again soon, Sam. This off season, we'll have plenty of fun uh, getting together with you guys for PFF, and I wish you uh, the most of enjoyment for these championship games and the Super Bowl going forward. So thanks for coming on, man. Anytime, guys. Take it easy. See ya. Yep. Sam Monson there from uh, Pro Football. I Focus. love the line. It's not my fault. Not don't, fault. Don't, blame don't blame me. me. Don't blame I me. I didn't build the offense. You got line. sort of confrontational there, and they said, "Don't blame me." It's not my fault. All you got to watch it. He just said how the, they balance. He said three fifths of the line, and then rethought and said, yeah, "Maybe four fifths." <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like how are they going to replace? How are they going to replace four people on the offensive line when they have to replace a whole defense and they have no money? So, so how much of the line needs to go? Oh, there's one good guy, maybe one good guy. Brian O'Neill's okay. Yeah, he could um, play. But besides that, you know, I've everybody, got, I've gotten a few messages for people that have said, you know, your outlook here so far, and a couple of days responding to this loss and what the offseason's going to look like has been pretty bleak. And I just can't help but I'm struggling to do the math. And I think Sam was there as well, and that's why he yelled, "Don't blame me." Don't you? Th- <laughs> don't you think there's going to be a lot. Can you isolate that, Jonathan, to be able to use whenever we need it? Don't you get Absolutely. the Absolutely. Don't you Sam get the yelling, feeling there's going me. to be a lot here though? Don't you have the yes. like I think we're underselling exactly how much change is probably going to happen here. I Cuz the quarterback's going to stay the same almost certainly. Yeah. But like they do need if you look at this team objectively, if you're tearing apart the personnel and the roster, there's a lot of here. Can I ask a, a question before I uh, talk about that? Yeah. So the offensive line was bad. Just don't blame me if I answer it wrong. Dalvin Cook had to make up for a lot of it. The run blocking wasn't horrendous, of course. Uh, but they couldn't protect Cousins when they needed to protect Cousins the most, which was against every good team with a good defensive line. Correct. Which uh, you know that your quarterback wilts when that happens mm-hmm. every single time. Mm-hmm. Did they screw that up? Did, I mean, did they just saying, oh, we need to build this offensive line that's light and nimble and good at screens. Uh, should they have been saying, you know what we need is the fattest, giantest men well, in the world because Cousins needs four seconds to throw the ball. They not only screwed it up, they screwed it up probably two or three times. One was was Rick's hubris that you could build a line the same way you find a running back or, uh, or a safety. And, you know, to his credit, in Harris's case, he hit. But there could have been a long time that they said, we've got to continue to acquire offensive linemen via the draft, and they didn't. So that's screw-up one. Two is they signed Cousins, and they watched all the films, so they knew his weaknesses, right? But they were still trying to get by. And then the third swing and a miss, in my mind, was Anthony Barr calling him up and saying, I want to come back. And instead of saying, uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to spend that somewhere else, Anthony, yeah. saying, hey, come back. So... I think it's a continuing, the offensive line problems are a continuing saga of missed opportunities. Yeah. So, yes. Spending what they spent on Anthony Barr, though, what's interesting about his situation is this year, he only cost them $6 million on the cap, which we all would have taken. Sure. Next year, it's like 14 or something. I don't have it in front of me. But, I mean, 
it, it, the way that they structured it was for this year not to cost that much. So you can't really look at him necessarily as being the reason they didn't sign anyone. The reason they didn't sign anyone is because there wasn't anyone to sign. Roger Saffold, who's a great player, went to Tennessee like the first day of free agency. Well, you would have had to be there. To, yeah, he clear, he yes. clearly wanted to go, or a couple days in, he clearly wanted to go to Tennessee, and they overpaid for him to come there uh, because they're not spending a ton of money at other positions. But you start to recruit those guys and clear out that cap yeah. long before yeah. March hits. And he doesn't solve the issues either. No. Uh, entirely. But they gave but but for all of Brad Childress's missteps here when he got here in 06, one of the first guys that they aggressively pursued and overpaid but he was great, Steve Hutchinson at left guard yeah. Yeah, who yeah, they yeah. gave that poison pill contract He's to. An all-timer. And you know, we all know they tampered, we don't care. <laughs> Seriously, so, well, so if you're like looking at those guys, you can't get to the day it starts and be like, oh man, we thought we could yeah, get yeah, you. Yeah. You're tampering but constantly. It's really just that we knew all along it wasn't going to work to just bump a guy over from center to left guard who hadn't been good at center, at least since that. his injuries. Yeah. The thing that really hurt them is that they drafted a guy who could not pass block against elite players. And I don't know how they solve that issue going forward. Josh Klein was okay, not great. He gets shoved back. Yeah. Uh, O'Neal is a really good player. Mm-hmm. And I thought Riley Reef was fine. Riley Reef is Riley Reef. He was the, you know, out of, let's say, 70 guys that played the position, he was in the 30s. Like, sure. that's, you know, that's how it goes when you get Riley Reef. And his contract is fairly reasonable at this point, a couple of years in. And so I don't look at him as the main reason. It's really that. Uh, left guard and center position, the teams could just attack and attack and attack. And where you would blame them is if Bradbury doesn't improve in that area, mm-hmm. which is going to be really hard because he's undersized. He walks by you and you're like, oh, is that a linebacker? But this like, ultimately comes back to years of neglect, right? Like, I don't think that this, if you, because if you say every March you should go out and get somebody, that's probably not going to happen. Doesn't this go back to a feeling that you can just sort of, ah, I'll take you in the fifth round and develop you? So I would say yes and no, because if you look at the amount of investment that they have on the offensive line, it's three draft picks in the first three rounds, including a first rounder. It's a lot of guaranteed money handed out to a right guard and to a left tackle. The fact of the matter is that building a good offensive line takes years and years and years. And where they spent those draft picks, and this is what I always like to ask people, is, well, did you want to take away the Xavier Rhodes or Harrison Smith picks? Did you want to take away, you know, whatever X number of players who were picked in the first, second round? Mm -hmm. Eric Kendricks, would you rather have some offensive lineman than drafting Eric Kendricks in the second round? Or Anthony Barr, and maybe you would, but, I mean, you would have had to have spent... Uh, all of these draft picks on these other players on the offensive line to build a great offensive line. And you're not going to, even if you spend five picks on them, you're not going to hit on all five. Correct. You might hit on two or three. That's why you got to do it. What Indianapolis has been able to do with them spending all that draft capital and quickly turning it around was kind of preposterous. It usually doesn't happen. And the same thing with Dallas, where they were able to quickly turn it around. Usually you find some guy who's unbelievably good, and then you sort of fill out the rest. They don't have a guy who's unbelievably good. Right. And and the Khalil bust absolutely kills you. Yes, yes. Because, because he started off so good, and he, he looked so good. Yep. He was supposed to be... Cause He'd still be here if, if he you hit on him. That's be. your 10-year guy. Yep. 
That's a 10-year left tackle. Yep, that is your Joe Thomas who is just Correct. there, and or your Jason Peters. Year after year after year after year, you can lock it in. And when you have to go out and sign a free agent left tackle, no one lets go a good free agent left tackle. It's like, quarter, it's like quarterbacks. It's just never going to happen. right? So you go into this offseason with that same sort of question of, well, how are you going to find that offensive lineman, but also fill two Potentially but three cornerback spots this and is, maybe a safety spot. But this is my question to you about evaluating internally where this personnel, this roster, and this team is at and maybe accepting the fact that you're going to have to take a step back. I don't see any other way around it other than that the division might be garbage. I mean, that that might be the best shot you have is that if the Packers take a step back, if the Bears continue to be mediocre, if the Lions continue to be mediocre, you can compete and win a good number of games next year just based on the fact that you might have a fairly easy schedule. But it's aside from getting pretty radical, it's hard to figure out exactly how you're going to be a Super Bowl contender next year with all the holes to fill, which is why... You have to continue to listen to Purple Daily. I have only one thing to say to you. It's not my fault. He said, don't blame me. You didn't even get it right. Ah, whatever. It's good. (laughs) You are to blame somehow for this, Judd. Uh, But it will be a fascinating offseason, so you should continue to listen, and we'll all have fun going through it together. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Mackie and Judd with Rami is coming up next. You're listening to Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.